Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Braceres, director of IWF Center for Law and Liberty, and we are once again talking about the Electoral College. In an earlier podcast, I had the great pleasure of speaking with historian and legal expert Tara Ross about why our founding fathers chose this state-by-state method of electing our president. Today, we'll be talking about current efforts to replace this system with one massive national popular vote. And I am joined by two state legislators from Maine, one Democrat and one Republican, who recently participated in a vote, or several votes actually, on whether their state should abandon the Electoral College. Both of our guests today, Representative Heidi Sampson, a Republican, and Representative Janice Cooper, a Democrat, voted against the measure. Welcome, Representative Sampson and Cooper. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks. So, Representative Sampson, could you tell us a little bit about the current efforts to get rid of the Electoral College? Historically, we, you know, the Constitution clearly lays what we're supposed to be doing. Every state constitution aligns with a federal constitution on this issue. And there have been efforts over the years to try and amend the constitution, but that has failed. So this national popular vote effort is essentially an end run around every constitution that essentially will hijack the electoral college process. And how will it do that? Can you explain how exactly what they're trying to do? Um, sure. You say, you say that people who are opposed to the Electoral College have, have tried and, and failed to amend the Constitution. So uh, if that hasn't worked, how can, they, how can they possibly get rid of the Electoral College um, without amending the Constitution? Right. So this, what they're trying to do with this effort um, is to get as many states to commit to becoming a signator to an interstate compact with all the other willing states. And they're looking at all 50 states, including the District of Columbia, and the goal is to acquire the majority of the electoral votes to elect a president, which is two. 70 out of the 528 possible votes. Trying to basically do this math game, get as many states to sign on to this interstate compact that would, would get us to the 270 and essentially be an end run to the state's constitution in order to elect the president. So, so if I have this right, states that agree to sign on to the compact are agreeing to um, give all of their electoral votes to the winner of the nationwide popular vote, even if a majority of voters in that particular state voted for somebody else. Is that right? Correct. Correct. So I know a number of states have voted already to, to sign this compact. I think at this point there are 15 states plus the District of Columbia who have agreed um, to, to bind themselves in future elections to the winner of the nationwide popular vote, irrespective of what their voters uh, want. And this recently came up in Maine, and, and I'm wondering if you could tell us what happened? Because I know there was a lot of back and forth. It came up for several votes, and, and ultimately it failed. But I'm wondering if you could tell us 
a little bit about um, the background in your state and, you know, who initiated it and, and what happened in your state legislature. Okay. Um, in Maine, our Senate president introduced this piece of legislation, um, Senator Troy Jackson. And he's a Democrat from way up north in Maine. And so this started in the Senate, and the Senate was strongly, uh, because they're a, a majority Democrat members in the Senate, they passed it out of the Senate pretty easily because the Republicans didn't have, you know, much. There wasn't a whole lot of pushback uh, from other Democrats on this issue in the Senate. Came to the House. Again, the House is majority Democrat. And uh, it was interesting that we did have a number, our initial vote uh, did not align with the uh, Senate's vote. So you have to, in order for a bill to pass, you have to have both the Senate and the House have to agree on the same exact language. So when it went back to the Senate, uh, they had to, you know, they had to, they sat on it for quite a while and then tried to reintroduce it. And it went back and forth, and, and we got to watch. Uh, really, it was the House Democrats being very meticulously picked off to flip their votes. And so we had another vote, and, and actually at this point, um, I'm not even sure how many times I think it went back and forth. Like, I think we voted on it four times. And wow. And then in the end, uh, it was by a very narrow margin that we were able to defeat this measure, which meant that there were a number of Democrats that actually came along with the Republicans to defeat this measure. Interesting. And one of them is joining us today, Representative Cooper. Um, so why do you think, um, well, first of all, do you, do you think this measure will be brought up again in future legislative sessions, or is it is it completely dead in Maine? Uh, I would say, depending on who is in charge of uh, the legislature, if we have Democrats, this is unfortunately this is a Democrat uh, issue. And um, yes, I think it'll probably be brought up again. Maybe not in this session, but one the 130th legislative session probably will see it again if the numbers would be in their favor. The thing with Maine that is a little frustrating with a lot of these sorts of initiatives is Maine's a little state, 1.3 million people, and they're easily bought. You can have special interests come in. They can easily um, buy off a state with enough marketing and pressure to flip a state like Maine. And hmm. it's, it's a little disheartening being, you know, one of the folks standing and saying, no, not in my state. Um, but, you know, money, money talks. And so, Representative Sampson, um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about um, how Maine currently selects its electors, because I know that's very different um, from the way the rest of the country selects their electors, other than Nebraska. I think Nebraska and Maine are the two states that 
that choose to do things a little differently. So I was hoping you could explain that. Sure. sure. Well, um, you know, when it comes to electoral votes, all, you know, you just mentioned Maine and Nebraska, all other states are winner-take-all states. But um, this is where the candidate winning the popular vote normally receives all of the electoral votes. However, we have what's called the congressional district method. And that's where we have two electoral votes. And um, those two electoral votes can be applied differently based on the popular vote winner in each district. So we have two districts. District 1 is the southern part of the state. District 2 is the larger northern part of the state, larger geographically. And um, based on the popular vote winner in each respective district, the electoral vote is assigned or goes with that popular vote winner. So, for example, uh, well, you know, so, for example, in 2016, Congressional District 1 went to Hillary Clinton and Congressional District 2 went to Donald Trump. And this process has been in place since before the, two, uh, the 1972 presidential election. And Maine was the first state to adopt this rule. But and as I understand so it, sorry to interrupt just a second, just, to, yep. just for clarity. Maine has four electoral votes, correct? So if District 1 pledged their elector to, to Hillary Clinton, District 2 to Donald Trump, and then the other two electors went to whom? To the winner of the state as a whole. So yeah. sorry about uh, that. Hillary yeah. Clinton got yeah, Hillary Clinton got more votes overall within the state, so she got those other two uh electoral votes. Got it. So it was so three to right. three to one. Right. So in the twenty sixteen presidential election, Maine had four electors, three went for Hillary Clinton. One went for Donald Trump. And by contrast, um, in almost any other state of the union, the winner of the overall popular vote within the state would have gotten all of the state's electors, what, what you Correct. described as winner, winner yep. take all. Correct. And so, so um, if Maine had a winner take all system, like most of the rest of the country does, Hillary Clinton would have gotten all four. All four. Both in Maine, yeah. but but Maine's system is arguably more democratic um, than exactly. than some of the other states. Donald Trump recognized that he had a chance in the second congressional district, so he did did spend a fair amount of time in, uh, in the northern part of the state um, uh, wooing voters. So uh, it paid off, and um, and that's one of the reasons the people in the rural part of the state, the northern part of the state, felt that their um, Influence would be diminished if they uh, if they uh, went for um, the interstate commerce agreement. Excuse me, interstate well, right, compact right. agreement. Yes, and it certainly would right. be. Um, and arguably, the the influence of the entire state of Maine would be. Is that not right? Right. Yes, that's true for it, all it would, uh, small rural states. Yeah. So all those points are, are absolutely valid. Maine Maine essentially has two mechanisms in their presidential uh, uh, voting procedure. We, there's 
the, the engagement, the people's voice is heard. And then the people's voice is also protected in the sense that the minority can have a voice here. And that's looking at the larger scale of, from the, the global lens and the whole country. We have sort of the best of both worlds because we have, you know, we are, we are a constitutional republic, not a democracy. The republic gives the voice to all citizens, especially the minority. And a democracy, in, in um, contrast, uh, a um, true democracy, that minority voice would never be heard. And this is the, the argument with this national popular vote. That's operating on a, a true democracy principle and not a republic principle. The voice of the second district would never have been heard if we did not have this congressional district method. And um, so for for me, that was extremely important for both those levels to protect what Maine has. We have something very unique. Mm -hmm. And likewise, um, you know, you say that the voice of the districts that that selected Donald Trump would not have been heard um, um, without your sort of unique system. But likewise, without the Electoral College generally, the voice of Maine as a state would not be heard because, for example, um, in in when George Bush ran against John Kerry, um, George Bush won the national popular vote. And under the, the interstate compact, had Maine agreed to that, you would have to pledge your electors to George Bush, even though the majority of the people in Maine wanted John Kerry. So right. even though they didn't get their way ultimately in that election, they had an opportunity, the voters of Maine, to, to register their views as supporters of the Democratic nominee that time around. Right. That's right. correct. Yeah, Let, I approach the issue not so much uh, um, uh, in the same way. I guess you'd call me a small D de- Democrat on on this. Um, I uh, feel that the Electoral College has uh, outlived its um, usefulness and, uh, and and rationale, um, and is anti-democratic in its nature because it doesn't count. Uh, the votes uh, of every individual. So I, I, I would like to see it repealed and replaced with a popular vote, but I feel that this method, the interstate compact method, is um, a run and run around the constitutional amendment process as well as the electoral college. And if you're going to do it, you have to do it within the bounds of the constitution. Interesting. So, so if a constitutional amendment were to be presented to Maine um, with this very same issue, asking you in your capacity as a as a state legislator to um, vote on a constitutional amendment, would would you support an amendment to repeal the electoral college and substitute it with a nationwide popular vote? Uh, yes, I would. Although it's fraught with the uh with potential problems as well, you know, um, but uh, that's the general principle uh, I, I do support. The problems that I foresee is that just as we um, zeroed in on hanging chads in, in uh, 
Florida where every vote counted, every uh, precinct in America could become a battleground uh, if it, there's a national um, popular vote. Well, I think that it certainly would because most presidential elections, if you you know look over the course of history, are actually pretty close. We right? I mean, we're a pretty divided nation politically. Most presidential elections are won at the margins, and um, I would imagine that in in a close election, the person who loses the nationwide popular vote is going to initiate challenges in each and every district across the country that they can to try to overturn what appears to be the result. I mean, wouldn't That's you imagine possible. that would be the case? Yeah, they would focus in on on um, districts that were close and uh, where they had the resources. But um, So that makes it all the more important that our, our voting system is absolutely ironclad uh, from outside interference and, and, and voting um, mishaps through uh, intent or, or mistake and so forth. Um, yeah. So tell me more then about why you, you voted against this bill if you, if you are generally in favor um, sure. of a popular so, vote on, on policy grounds. Right. So the uh, another... Um, in addition to the, my constitutional concerns, um, is the statutory one. Uh, what's an interstate compact? Um, the Constitution specifically alludes to the to the possibility of states joining together in a kind of a contract uh, to uh, agree to do something uh, together if the other parties do. But generally, they apply to, to uh, small, but relatively. Uh, small potatoes kind of stuff. I mean, it may, may involve a lot of money, but it, in terms of law, like a transportation system that uh, goes across um, state boundaries and that sort of thing. Um, and the Constitution also provides that uh, interstate compacts need congressional approval. However, the Supreme Court has ruled that that's not necessarily true in some cases, as long as the federal... Uh, powers aren't really uh, affected. And uh, so we've never had an interstate compact that really deals with um, uh, issues of such um, uh, constitutional magnitude. So um, I, it's not been tested, and I think they're on shaky grounds to, to use a compact uh, in this way for those reasons. And it's likely then that... If the compact takes effect, and, and you, I think you said at the beginning, it, it would only take effect when um, <clears throat> enough states join to constitute the 270 electoral votes. But if, if they were to achieve that goal, and they're, they're almost at 200 votes right now, I believe, um, I would imagine that it would be tied up in litigation for quite some time with states bringing constitutional and statutory challenges probably all the way up to the Supreme Court. That's right. And um, so, you know, given the makeup of the current Supreme Court, um, well, I guess I wouldn't hazard a guess, but um, it's certainly not predictable how they they would rule. Um, and which brings, but I also want to well, make Well, I'll that, hazard a guess. I will hazard a guess <laughs> yeah. right now, actually. 
um, because in the in the term limits case, if you re- recall that, you I think it was U.S. term limits versus Thornton. It was called. Um, the court had a ruling where they said this wasn't about an interstate compact, but but courts said that states could not um, change. They could not pass requirements that would sort of tinker with the federal st- structure of the Constitution. So even mm-hmm. though states have freedom to do certain things, in that case they were passing term limits, in this case we're talking about um, allocating how electors are divided up, the court ruled in the term limits case that states can't either individually or as a, as a group decide that they're going to take action that undermines the federalist structure or the underlying structure of the Constitution, which which I think this this absolutely would, right? Because the whole mm-hmm. yeah. um, the whole notion of of the electoral college is premised on the fact that we are a federalist republic where not just individual votes matter, but but the the views of the states. Right, states are sovereign too. Um, the other point I wanted to make on why I opposed this compact is is just a practical political one we are uh, i think they they've got about 180 electoral votes uh, uh the states that have now signed on but they pretty I think it much was, it was 196 it was 196 oh. with the addition of Oregon last week i think okay uh, but nevada vetoed it yeah the governor vetoed it. um but um the uh uh, you you got to do the math, and um, the math is that all the blue states, and this tends to divide along party lines, have pretty much uh, had their say already. So who's left to get to that 270? Um, and uh, so you know, I think this has been um, been raised uh, uh, as a national issue by both sides as a kind of a a uh, hot button issue to organize rather than a realistic assessment of whether it could uh, ever happen and i i, th- I feel it's mis- mis- uh, misleading to have um gone gone forward with this well it's interesting you yeah. say that because there are a lot of political issues i think that um you know whether it's impeachment or guns or right there are a lot of yeah. hot button issues that i think both sides of the political aisle use as red meat for fundraising. Um, but I would argue that, that this isn't necessarily one of those, and even to the extent that it is, it's actually a good thing because it's generated a lot of debate and education among the citizenry about our Constitution, the way it Absolutely. sets things up, wh- why it sets them up that way, and, and whether it might be time to change it. And so... Right. That type of civic debate that's going on as a result of this is is not a bad thing. Not at all. Well, that's true, uh, but uh, they do want to win or lose, you know, what, whatever side you're on. And uh, but I agree that it's been a positive discussion because um, uh, most people didn't have much of a understanding of how the electoral college worked or what and what the historical basis uh, of it was and as I guess your previous guest talked about I mean, it was really born of an era where um there was not universal suffrage to say the least women blacks so forth were uh, not allowed to vote slaves were counted as less than a full human being but were counted so as to 
uh, increase the number of people counted for the Electoral College. So there's all kinds of historical reasons behind it, which, um, you know, today we find uh, repugnant. And so it's time for a revisiting uh, of uh, the rationale for it. It's interesting you say that, though, too, because um, that's that's been a popular argument against the Electoral College. Um, but I would argue, yes, those things are true, but if you're going to revisit everything because it was born of slavery and, and misogyny, then we have to revisit our entire country. I mean, there's nothing in America today that wasn't, that didn't come out of the Constitutional Convention um, that, that, you know, of slaveholders, or, or not, they weren't all slaveholders, but many of them were slaveholders. So, you know, you can't just, throw out the whole thing and start over. So I just I find no, that but, argument a bit of a red herring because what they created was a system that could evolve and it did evolve over over time to bring in more voices. And so I don't think it's a good argument just to say, well, the people who voted for this were slaveholders and so we well, shouldn't have it, it anymore. But it has a continuing effect on the way we uh, elect uh our president and vice president, whereas many other aspects of the Constitution don't have an effect anymore. I mean, I would say for you're right about, you know, the uh, allocation of senators, certainly. You know, Maine has two, and so does New York and California. Uh, and um, so we that that's what makes our uh, weight in the uh, Electoral College heavier uh, proportionally than those states because every state gets its electoral votes based on the number of senators and the number of representatives. So we, we get an extra kick there because because right. of that. Right. So let me bring in Representative Sampson here to talk a little bit more about why you support the Electoral College as a normative matter. I know Representative Cooper didn't doesn't like the, the nature of the compact that would get rid of it, but why Why do you support the Electoral College um, normatively? Well, I think, like I said, um, and I hadn't, I probably should have prefaced everything with the, the bigger picture, and I was starting with a minutiae going larger, but um, the the idea that we as a nation um, were established so that we, they looked carefully at those pure democracies and that that, was, that essentially devolved into mob rule. I look at this national popular vote more in, in light of that mob rule mentality and that liberty ends up getting silenced in that process. And I was deeply concerned with the fact that Maine being a small state would become completely uh, nullified. Their impact would be nullified. And as Representative Cooper just said, with our two electoral uh, votes coming from like the senators, we, we are on even footing with every other state. And on top of that, we in the state of Maine have these two electoral votes that can be they have these separate popular vote contests in the two different districts. And right. um, so, so, my, so my argument to this was that we actually have a popular vote um, 
component essentially within our state. Which well, every every give... state has has a popular vote, right? The state of Massachusetts right. conducts a democratic popular vote. It's just that, as you both identified earlier, a- after that vote is taken, it's a winner take all system for the electors. But right. but there are democratic popular votes going on in each of these states. But I wonder why more states that are frustrated with the electoral college system don't adopt the Maine and Nebraska plan. Has, have you heard, I mean, right. any talk about that? Well, I haven't heard anything, but I, I mean, I think that that's sort of the, both, the best of both worlds. And yeah. I think it adds an impetus for um, these presidential candidates to come to a state like Maine. Um, if right. they think that they can win at least one or maybe two or more um, electoral votes, it gives an incentive. If we got rid of this, there would be no incentive, and Maine would never have anyone come into the state. Right. And I saw you know, statistics I- the other day that had um, that showed how um, there are four times as many registered voters in Los Angeles County than there are in the entire state of Maine. So right. with a nationwide popular vote, there would be zero reason, as you said, for a candidate to go and visit Maine, um, talk to the people of Maine, find out about the concerns of the people of Maine. They would just blanket the L.A. County media market and the other big media markets and try to try to increase voter turnout in those locations, I would imagine. Right. That's what I, I think. Yeah. I, I think there's certain advantages of our system. And when I... Uh, before I was a um, legislator, I worked for uh, Congressman Tom Allen, uh, who represented the southern part of Maine, and we wrote an op-ed, which was in the Boston Globe, that uh, extolled our system. <laughs> um, and uh, it was published, but I, I, I don't recall much of a reaction. So it's it's not uh, it never caught fire. And uh, and as, and as uh, Heidi said, I I haven't heard any talk of moving in that direction. But now that this method has failed, maybe they'll be uh, some more interested in trying an alternative. Well, exactly. Was, yeah. it, go, it goes to your point, um, Representative Cooper, that maybe this is just a political issue on both sides because if people were really interested in finding a solution, maybe they would turn to Maine and um, adopt plans that are that are more like your model. So... Who knows? Maybe you'll be hearing from legislators in, in other states soon to get your advice on, on how to enact a system that, that strikes a balance um, between the current winner-take-all electoral college system and a full-blown nationwide popular vote. Who knows? That's possible. Right. Who knows? In fact, during our debate on the national popular vote, wasn't an amendment floated that would have changed the compact wording so as to basically create uh, a main model. Um, but it was—I don't believe it was ever offered. And uh, anyway, it would have destroyed the whole idea of a compact because they have to be identical. Right. Exactly. Um, well, interesting. So, so the the compact is dead in the main legislature for now. I suppose it could always come up in another legislative session. Um, but for now, Maine is out. Uh, a lot of other blue states are in. Nevada, 
the Nevada governor vetoed the measure, so they are out. And interestingly, Colorado, which approved the measure, is trying to put it on the ballot to let the voters weigh in um, mm. in an attempt to repeal the measure. So we shall see what happens. Um, but we're out of time for today. I, I hope our listeners learned something new from the conversation. And um, if people are interested in learning more about the Electoral College, they can check out IWF's legal brief on the topic at IWF.org. And if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, we at the IWF would love it if you would take a moment to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, you're in control. I think, you think, she thinks.